movie. Inception. I've yeah. seen that movie. I've yeah. seen that. I saw that movie. I didn't quite understand it, but I saw it. The top is still spinning on my table, whatever that means. But uh, I don't know if that means it's the reality or the dream. I don't remember. I think it's the dream if it just won't stop spinning, right? We're all living the dream, Rob. We're in a dream sequence, Livius, wouldn't you? <laughs> oh, God, I hate us already. <laughs> uh, we did not do a year in review last year. Uh, listeners, Loyal listeners will remember that we did a very fun activity called Donnie Booked. And what happened with Donnie Booked is, um, if you didn't listen, uh, essentially Donnie Booked was a multi-round uh, voting system where we had different categories and you could vote for the best author, the best interview, or the best book, the best interview, things like that. Um, and then we would pit all of the winners from that, you know, the individual categories against each other for an overall winner. It was the goddamn disaster. I Thanks. forget who who won that. <laughs> um, little known author, especially very seldom mentioned on the podcast, David James Keaton. Uh, now, now, which it. category did he actually win? He won every category except for a category called um, interlude, which is it would impo- it was impossible for him to win. So he swept. <laughs> Donnie booked so fucking hard that we are not doing it again. Yep. Until David James Keaton does not appear on this show in any way, shape, or form for one full calendar year, there will be no more Donnie booked. That's right. He killed Donnie booked. Uh, but we do have things to talk about. I'm going to take a second and explain to you what I have in front of me right now. I literally <laughs> have... <clears throat> You know, we kid about the stuff that Rob puts together for these episodes because usually it's not. Usually it's just like, oh, Livius liked this many books as five stars. I have literal charts and graphs in front of me with color. I don't even know how to read some of them, but that's the <laughs> level of preparation that Rob did for this episode. My preparation was the previous 364 days of this year where I read books and thought about things. But Rob actually went in and did a ton of. Um, <laughs> pretty cool graphics actually so i'm a big fan of statistical analysis um so i like to break down uh the the interesting stuff uh of the podcast like how we rate things how many books reviewed things like that so we're going to be digging into that in the most entertaining way we can find so that it's not boring for everybody or, or it's as as not boring as possible i guess all right um, we're going to start off um, by talking about let's talk about let's talk about books, but let, let's start off at the low end. So every year there are some books <laughs> that don't rate very well. Um, it, a lot of times it's not really a surprise going into it that we're maybe predisposed to not like um, some books. And, and this year um, we actually agreed on the three lowest books <laughs> um, yeah, and two of them were no surprise to me. <laughs> actually i take that back one of them was no surprise to me the other one could have gone either way and then i was terribly disappointed so we're gonna start i think rob from the uh, best ranked worst book so we're gonna start with uh (laughs) the the least hated is that what you're saying that's the one yes so i'll let rob uh kick that part off all right so um I like to call it the bottom three books of the year because everybody does top lists, but we do bottom lists. Um, the least hated, the least hated of our most hated books would be Robo Genesis, and this was one where um, we had read Robo Apocalypse uh, when it first came out with uh, stars in our eyes, very hopeful, and it ended up just being a ripoff of World War Z. Um, we decided about a year later to. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> give Daniel Wilson another chance by reading his book Amped. And, um, you know, also awful. No better. Yeah. Uh, it was so bad that Livius actually had forgotten that we even read it. <laughs> um, you know, you have those traumatic instances that happen, like in your childhood, <laughs> you and you the memory. them out. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Livius had repressed, <laughs> I guess he repressed the memory of reading that book. And I saw, I, I don't know, it was one of those random, I was cruising around Amazon and I just happened to see Robogenesis pop up in like a list of something. And I was like, whoa, there's a sequel. We have to read this because it's going to be awful. And Livius was, he fought me on it, but eventually he gave in. And lo and behold, we didn't like that book at all. I gave it a one and a half stars. Um, I gave it two stars, which in, in hindsight, now that there are a few months between me and that review, I don't even know how I gave it two stars as, as <laughs> I think about it now, to be honest. Um, you said but, he's, he, he showed growth. Well, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, I get, that's, yeah, I, um, I don't know. All I know is that Daniel Wilson, um, at three strikes, man, that either means you lifetime in prison or we don't review any more of your books. Probably both. If we could put him in jail, I think we would. Oh, literary jail for that guy. It's a lot of reading Monica Drake and stuff. Haruki Murakami. Yep. That's literary prison. <laughs> That's up. <laughs> I think Rob is rehashing older least favorite books from other other years, years oh, gone by. Literary prison is they have to read all the books that we hated from all the years that we've been doing year in reviews. Nice, nice. I think you were. You, we may, we may. The new year may bring a new segment <laughs> once in a while called "Literary Prison." Look for that in 2015 on the book podcast. All right, our second least favorite book of the year, um, Dean Koontz. Now, Dean Koontz, <laughs> I have read and still to this day hold probably three of his books. I'd say in the top maybe 30, 40 books I've read, which which probably puts it in the five percent maybe you know so um dark rivers of the heart standout book fear nothing excellent i mean these are books i was reading long 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 before we did this podcast so i probably read a little less critically than i do now um the city so the city took us back to the 60s (laughs) and racial tensions and i'm still not even really sure what that book was about um, but it, it did not it did it was not a good showing for for Dean Koontz, who was a legend in the in the writing and horror community. Not only that, it really wasn't horror. It really just wasn't much of anything. So I gave that um, again, in hindsight, looking at this, a very gen- generous one and a half star. And I rated it one. Um, gr- granted, I, I went in having never read Dean Koontz before with. The ammunition of the Rob Robert story of, of Dean Koontz doing a racist rant at a, a book uh, conference as like a keynote speaker. So I was like, oh, I'm going to see how racist this dude is. And probably just coincidentally, it actually had a lot to do with like race in a lot of African-American people. And um, so <laughs> I was like, this is exactly what I was expecting. And uh, I gave it a one star. So... That was uh, think, the city by Dean Koontz. I'm not going back. I'm not going back to Mr. Koontz. I, I will say that Rob did put together some like highlight moments to talk about, and uh, I, I will say that perhaps a highlight for some people um, of this past year was that might be the episode um, where yeah, I was dubbed a uh, bigot apologist. Bigot apologist. Yeah, that's where that came from. I think it may have been directly a result of <laughs> Dean Koontz and, and the city. So. 
And um, yeah, I can't even talk about this. You're going to have to do this last part. <laughs> Our least favorite book of the year of the. I'm sure there's a chart that will tell me of the 20, almost 30 books that we read this year. Our least favorite was Magnificent Vibration by Rick Springfield. This was something that <laughs> probably was the most heartbreaking book of maybe the entire uh, podcast because Livius was very, very excited to read it and very, very disappointed to have read it. I, um, I, I sometimes I wonder if people understand how serious I'm being when I say, like, I love something like, God, I fucking love Rick Springfield or God, I fucking love Gossip Girl, the TV show. I'm being very genuine when I say these things. So for listeners of longtime listeners, Rick Springfield has come up several times uh, completely off topic of his book. So to have a fiction book to read by. So here's one of my favorite people in the entire world. And now he's doing one of my favorite things, which is writing a fiction book for me to read. This was the culmination of this might be the greatest book ever. Even the concept was hokey enough where this could be really great. It kind of had that, um, oh, that same feel you'd expect maybe from like a Max Berry story or um, satire, uh, like humor. Yeah, yeah. you know, like this could have been great. And it was just it it was it was fucking terrible. It was (laughs) so bad. (laughs) Rob and I were talking last night. And and it came up, we were looking at, I was looking at some of the charts and, and I said to him, you know, I would never, ever not willingly say that I was, a, you know, a representative of this podcast. But, you know, if I actually met Rick Springfield, it would probably be the only time he was like, hey, your name sounds familiar. Do you do a podcast or something? I'd be like, nope, don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't even like books. Wait. Oh, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's yeah. But uh, oh, so magnificent vibration. Um, we, we actually agreed on this one. And each gave it one star. And I think the one star was just that he completed that book. Yeah, good for him for getting through a book. Unfortunately, I think that, and I, I remembering back to it, it was just, it was hokey, a little bit hokey. And it was just, it felt like it was trying too hard. And it was. Um, he made fun of Kias. I drive a Kia. Yeah, there's that. He kind of hit you, hit you, hit, hit home. But, um, I think really it just read like an unpolished it read like someone who was in college writes a story for their like comp 101 kind of class it read with that level of competency and and I'm, I honestly I'm not trying to say that to be mean it just it didn't read as like an accomplished author who was on a major publisher would read but you know it's it's <clears throat> it's no different than when you have like the actor and this doesn't happen as often anymore, but, you know, through the 80s and 90s, you had the actor that then performed music, like recorded an album. Yeah. Yep. And, and you could identify it. Yeah, it was music. It wasn't very good, and it was only, you know, popular. The only reason you heard it was because it was <coughs> Eddie Murphy or Bruce Willis or who, you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of, this is the literary version of that, is that you had a musician who I think is is a brilliant writer. His music is, is terrific, um, lyrically specifically. Um, that did not translate well to the novel world. Um, I will give I will give him this though. I think that whatever year, probably 2012, that one um, Q84 was was our one on our bottom mm-hmm. books of the year. Going back into so we have a, a <laughs> Google Docs is what we use for our shared notes, and um, so every document has a title. Usually, it's the title of the episode and. 
the one Q eighty four one actually says one Q eight four fuck this book all in like capital letters. So uh, magnificent vibration didn't make it to that level of hatred. We didn't hate the book. We just were disappointed by it. So disappointed. <laughs> no, I'm sad. Can we talk about about some happier stuff? <laughs> yeah, I want to talk about some cool stuff that happened, and uh, we'll probably sprinkle around some like cool cool things that happened. Yes, absolutely. Let me do live live readings. Yeah. Um. So, in addition to doing book inter- uh, so in addition to doing like book reviews and interviews and things like that. Every now and then we will. Um, I will wear Olivia's down to the to the point where he'll actually agree to go out in public, and when that happens, we attend live readings and we podcast them when possible. So, in the year of 2014, we made it out to three of them. All kind of later in the year, we went to Nuarta Bar in Milwaukee, which I think was like June or July. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time I met Hillary Davidson, which was pretty cool, and um, the crime spree. Did you meet her a second time that I'm not aware of? Are you guys, are, are you guys see each other regularly? <laughs> the or? only time I met. <laughs> okay, it's just that sounded a little sketchy there. <laughs> uh, we got to go to what's what's uh, lovingly called the Crime Spree Castle. Uh, crime Spree Magazine is based out of Milwaukee, and uh, they have. The uh, the Jordans, John and Ruth, have uh, like a building that's family owned, and it's just this enormous building with all these um, books and other kinds of like cool things. And we got to hang out with a bunch of authors there, so that was pretty and cool. I hate to say that it was the highlight because the reading itself was great, but I got to tell you, that's probably the coolest residence I've ever set foot in, except for uh, for the cats. I'm allergic to cats. That was a little bit yeah. of a bummer. But beyond yeah. that, coolest residence I've probably ever been in. Yeah, great story from those people of just like their experience over the years with uh, authors and you know books that they've had and just everything. It was a really cool experience. So going up to Milwaukee and like Tim Hennessy, if anybody hasn't met him, is the absolute nicest person in the world. So hanging out with him was great. Um, we also got out to Chicago. <laughs> so Rob walked to a reading. <laughs> Two different times. Uh, City Lit, we did a reading there with Brandon Teets, Ben Tanzer, Jack Gems, who, whose name we were awful with, and um, Richard Thomas. So we did that one. And most recently, I mean, like very, very, very recently, the um, Nora at the Bar Chicago, which I'm still going to say it's the first one. I don't care what anybody else says because I'm not aware that there was another one, so... Um, Noir at the Bar Chicago, um, Jay Kingston, um, who, who read and put it all together. So give credit where credit's due. We did zero work on that one, too, other than showing up. Um, put that together and, and asked us to be a part of that. And that's actually the two most recent episodes. So if you haven't heard those yet, you can skip back a couple and listen to those readings. Yeah, that was good. I like Jay Kingston. It was nice to meet him and uh, coerce uh, Kevin Helmick into reading a story that he wasn't prepared to, uh, to talk about in public. That's very cool. It was a good. It was a good reading, and hopefully, uh, 2015 we'll see more of those. All right. Um, I think what we're going to give you next is I think we're going to move to the the top books of the year. Should we go and and, and look at our, our our top, which is a lot more elaborate list. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's rock. <laughs> so um, we did the the bottom three were unanimous in looking at the um, the top seven is what I have in front of me. We're, we're nearly unanimous. Five of the seven, we both um, rated the highest. So that's, you know, like we're pre- in pretty good agree- agreement on some of these. 
But from those, we need to narrow it down to three each. So with that, I'm going to kick it over to Rob, who's going to talk a little bit about his first one. And there's a good chance that that might be one of mine, too. We'll see where he goes with this. I'm going to go rogue. I'm not going to go with the one you, you're expecting. I'm saving that for later. Um, if we're going um, where the best is last, I want to say that my my third favorite book of 2014, and really the list that I, I put out are, are all the five-star books, all the books that we, we Livius rated five stars and all the books that I rated five stars, and that's what the list got narrowed down to, so that's why there's we each happen to have seven books that were rated five stars. Um, Supernatural Enhancements by Edgar Cantero. This one came up. Livius, um, as always, is the book chooser. Um, and he's like, hey, check this out. I think this might be a candidate for a review. And I read the synopsis and I was sold. I was like, okay, Ghost House, that's an easy That's an easy choice. Um, the book was just really cool. And it, it kind of was layered and it, was, it wasn't exactly what you expected. And it brought in different elements, like more of a um, definitely a supernatural enhancement a supernatural element but uh not how you would you would expect it to be and it was just overall a really strong book it was a great read and um it was i'd like it i think it probably leaned a little heavier on that because it was like a first i think it's a first book from the author at least a first american release because he's a Mm -hmm. spanish author um that's when we decided actually that's the episode we decided that everything from spain is better because of (laughs) books like uh um Arturo Perez Reverte does awesome books. Everything he's done, I think I've got like ten of his books on my shelf. Um, I have that Carlos Ruiz Zafon book that I read is is awesome. Um, and we decided everything from Spain is better. But Supernatural Enhancements, fantastic book. Livius didn't rate it five stars, so you know, you know, I'm you know a little bit better on that one. But that was my third favorite book of the year. I will say that um, regardless of how I actually rated that book, it is definitely <laughs> one of the kind of like standout books. I found it lacking in, in a few places, which is why it didn't get five stars, but definitely a book that, that sticks with me. You know, that's been just a few months since we've read it. But I mean, it comes up in my mind frequently enough that upon reflection, it certainly did merit, um, you know, a high rating, if not a, a total five stars. I mean, for concept and stuff, it's just genius. So that was the um, one. Um, mm-hmm. where the one of the cool things he did was to tone down the supernatural things when you would expect it to be amped up, mm-hmm. like describing things as just a house as instead of being a creepy house, and that was really good, a really good choice. Um, it's interesting because I'm going to put that in similar fashion with my uh, my first my first pick um, for top three books of 2014. Um, the heart does not grow back by Fred Venturini. This may have benefited a little bit from. <laughs> Um, we wanted to read this for a really long time. Um, and, you know, the whole story, you can go back and listen to the podcast if you want to hear it. But it was released and then it was kind of taken down and reworked and re-released. So we had actually talked to a friend about it at one point and he was like, yeah, you guys should just wait for the new version to come out. So we were like, yeah, we'll wait for the new version to come out. So we waited and waited and waited. And uh, it certainly did not um, disappoint for a lot of the same reasons Rob picked the supernatural enhancements, I think. You know, you have a story about a guy who could regenerate limbs. And uh, he kind of is given this uh, this kind of like, you know, superhero power or at least the moniker of having that. And instead of using it to fight crime or use it in the ways you would think, comes up with a completely different concept. So the unexpected um, elements of this book 
kind of toned down like we talked about supernatural enhancements having the supernatural element toned down toning down a superpower um is definitely what made that book for me and just how uh how genuine it felt and the interactions between people um were were very genuine especially again for the fact that that there's a supernatural element to the book so you expect it to be a little more out there and a little more outlandish and it totally isn't so uh that's that's my first one i'm picking the heart does not grow back. Fred Venturini, nice job, sir. Nice job. You know what my favorite part of that book is? Which is what's that? When you open the cover, the first, <laughs> <laughs> the first page you see is the uh, author bio, which is typically in the back of a book, and it says about the author. It's got a picture of Fred, and this is the first line: Fred Venturini's short fiction has been published in the Book Anthology. Da 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 da. So the very first thing you read in this book is the title of our book. I thought that was a masterful choice. Yes, yes, a very good move on on uh, Fred's part. I'm sure that that helped book sales for uh, for for him with that book. <laughs> very strategic, I'm sure. <laughs> I I'm love like, that oh, book. <laughs> this guy, this guy knows the guys from Booked. I'm totally going to buy this book. <laughs> I thought it was really a great book, and we had Fred on um, right after that, or was it the same episode? We had him on either on the episode or right after the episode, and. Uh, I was one of us. We asked about uh, the idea of of doing like a follow up or a sequel, and uh, pretty excited to to hear that he actually has a little bit more planned. Don't know when we're going to see that. He's got other, um, you know, pokers in the fire or whatever you want to say. I still want to read that goddamn Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse book he was talking about. It sounds so cool. I know. It- and I'll tell you, in a couple of years, if and when it comes out, we'll be talking about it on a year-end review. I'm telling you, it's, it's going to happen. Damn right. Oh, do I have to talk about my second favorite book? You should probably talk about your second book. <sighs> this is tough. You know, Livia's right now is looking at the, <laughs> the other two books I have to talk about. And I'm really torn between which was number two and which is number one. Um... <sighs> I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go with um, more out of spite, I think, than anything. My second favorite book of the year was The Last Projector. David James Keaton can't win everything. <laughs> goddammit. it! Out of spite. Out of spite. <laughs> he stole Donnie. Donnie booked. I'm not giving him the satisfaction of being <sighs> my favorite book of the year. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, we did have the special edition ebook with the spinning. Uh, film reel <laughs> for this book. Um, I also have a very heavy uh, actual print print edition that that <laughs> we had David on for. We we do this thing with just with David where when we review one of his books, he comes on to be one of the reviewers, and um, we got into this whole conversation about uh, this guy who's like squatting in in his apartment building's basement, and so when he sent us copies of the last projector, he sent. Uh, proof, evidence that this person was squatting in his basement. So, my book came with a copy, you know, with a receipt from Walgreens for peanuts, um, two dollar bag of peanuts that David mentioned on the episode, and I think Livia's got a part of a burned book or something like that. Yep. David is one of our favorite people. From he's probably one of the best things that's come out of the three and a half years that we've been doing this podcast. He. he he reached out to us um, within our first probably dozen episodes and said, hey, I wrote this zombie thing. Do you want to talk about it? 
And it's really good that we did because um, we've built a great relationship with him and we've talked about his zombie thing ZB&B. We reviewed Fish Bites Cop. He's been on a bunch. He talked to us about Tony Gian Gregorio when that whole scandal with like, you know, the editing or the, the editing and publishing thing went on. Longtime friend of the podcast, and we've been waiting forever to have a full length novel from Dave James Keaton. And that was The Last Projector, and it is as fucking insane as he is. Um, but at the end of the day, it's incredibly intelligent. It's endlessly entertaining. And um, it is like having David James Keaton in the form of a book, which is probably terrifying, but um, <laughs> it's an excellent book. It definitely is an excellent book. I, um, yeah, I, I'm going to have to do this a little different from my end because that was my number one book of the year. And it would just be weird to talk about it after talking about something else. And so I, I'm just going to, yes, yes, everything that Rob said, yes. Um, I'll, another long wait for that. We'd seen that in the making for years um, and enjoyed every little bit that we could get of it. And the, the final product absolutely delivered. Um, that's going to be my my top book for 2014. So now we're going to go backwards. <laughs> I'm going to talk for a second about <laughs> my number two book of the year. Um, I do want to say as a as a uh, as a disclaimer, couldn't go four deep because we were doing three, but but we reviewed one of my all time favorite books this year. Um, so I'm just going to throw it in there now. Night in the Lonesome October trumped everything else. Just even reading it again <laughs> trumped everything else. But I'm not throwing that in there because that's the only that's the only throwback episode we've done. We reviewed a book that came out like many, many years before. So my uh, my second second top book for 2014, Bird Box by uh, Josh Mallerman. That book um, came by recommendation of Nikki Gerlain, but it kind of came like just way out of left field for us and, and, uh, and blew me away as a reader. Um, you know, you're kind of post-apocalyptic story and you kind of expect it's going to be the same kind of thing, but it's the only, and Rob might be able to correct me because he has a better memory for things than I do. This might be the only really genuinely creepy book we've read in three and a half years. Is that, does that sound about right? Like where it's just genuinely creepy throughout. Um, let's circle back to that. I'm going to go through the list. <laughs> so. Um, an excellent effort and a debut novel, um, although Josh has written numerous things, as we found when we had him on the episode. Um, this is the first one to see print. Um, I actually read his uh, his Kindle single, Gassel and Ewell, which was also excellent. So very much looking forward uh, to more from him. But yeah, Bird Box, a definite highlight of 2014. That is my, uh, my top book of the year. Um, because of just the strength of it, Nikki Gerling gotta love her she just never steered us wrong she gave us jeff vandermeer's um annihilation which was an excellent book as well and uh, we got him on thanks to her and it was a great experience um and putting us in putting josh on our on our radar was was awesome really glad she did the book was just everything you hope for and something that you want to scare you really because it puts you in a vulnerable position, which is very difficult to do in the written word, and it keeps you there the entire book. And um, it's just it's just packed with tension and and suspense. And it's such a real book that the thing that it really benefits from is that the supernatural parts of the book are secondary. They're they're just. They're settings, they're window dressings, they're not 
the bulk of the book, which is just the experience of being someone who's in a constant state of like danger and fear. And, um, and that kept your emotional like investments so keyed up that reading the book was, you know, a real experience more so than a lot of books are. So that's why it's my top book of the year. And, um, I mean, yeah, Livia said it right. Mallerman came out of nowhere, but I'm really, really glad that we read this book because yeah, it's just creepy as shit. And I'm going to have to go... I've looked at a couple of years of our books that we read while we've been talking. Mm-hmm. I don't see anything that, that equals it. Yeah, it's another one that I think about. And again, we read it pretty recently. So, But still, it comes up in my mind at least once a week. I, I Something about not being able to look at things without it driving you mad and eventually making you know causing you to die um, by your own hand is kind of... still just... I don't know. Yeah, yeah I mean, we've read some... some freaky things but nothing nothing that I think kept the emotional level of tension and fear just so high at such a consistent level yeah yep it's great stuff All I, right, so I will say that a couple of the things that we rated five stars Livius mentioned this and this is probably why they didn't get as much like attention were actually chat books from this is horror so kind of in a different plane I think than actual like full like novels because it's more of like an extended short story uh, The Elvis Room and Water for Drowning The Elvis Room by Stephen Graham Jones and Water for Drowning by Ray Cluley also got uh, unanimous five star ratings from us and you want to talk about creepy Elvis Room was up there oh yeah absolutely and, and I was thinking about that when I was, when I was when you were saying you went through the list of books I'm looking at the screen I was like yeah Elvis Room was, was definitely <laughs> Yeah. chilling and uh it was nice to uh it was nice to have steven on again um we talked about that a little bit Stephen graham jones the author of the elvis room um always great to have him on it's like an encyclopedia of whatever it is he's into this week i cannot wait for the 10 minute like history of werewolves that will eventually come it's one of those things that like you want to talk about things that we're looking forward to is like this book that book whatever i want to hear Stephen graham jones in 10 minutes succinctly explain the entire history of werewolves and entertainment and history. It's insane. Like it's right, this, probably, this is probably a good time to go into um, just kind of what our average ratings were for the year. Again, there are elaborate charts and <laughs> graphs for this. So I'm going to let Rob handle some of the heavy lifting on this one. Do you want to look at the breakdown or the, uh, the yearly? I think year, let's look at the year yearly because I found something really interesting. I mean, there's kind of an interesting thing that happened in the year. Like... <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, this year of the books that we reviewed before this episode, which is all the books we read this year, um, Livius averaged a 3.94 star rating, and I averaged 4.14 stars. No, no, I'm sorry, I had that backwards. Yeah, um, I was going to say that so that you... never happens in looking at historical data. <laughs> <laughs> Switch that. I averaged a 3.94. Livius averaged a 4.14 um, going back one year, just to run through the whole thing. Yeah. Going back to the previous year, I actually, mine was a little bit higher, 3.98. Livius, 4.01, so his was a little lower. But we tend to fluctuate together, it looks like. So is that what you're saying the interesting thing was? Yeah, I, I actually thought that, I think after 2012, we actually said, like, we're going to stop giving out stars like they're nothing, and we're going to start reviewing books harder. Isn't that when we did it? And we actually went up. In our yeah. reviews. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I, but here's the thing. Like, there were, 
some shit books in 2012. There were just some shitty books that we read in 2012 yep. that we hated. And I think that 2013 was more focused on let's just have fun, yep. you know? And so our, our ratings went up from Livius was 3.57, went to an average of 4.01. So that's a huge, it's like a half a star up. And I was 3.46 to 3.98. So again, a half a star up. So there were just some like you know, sucky books. There was the Fifty Shades of Grey was that year. Um, did we really rate that so low? Livius, you gave two stars to Raylan by Elmore Leonard. Because Raylan was in it. Two stars. Yeah, it was terrible. It was a terrible book. It was choppy. And Wolf Gift. Two stars for being Raylan. Huh? Wolf Gift was 2012. 1Q84 was 2012. It was not a good year. Uh, Railsea and Amped. Remember how much we hated Railsea? Yep. The Zoo Book by James Patterson, the only zero-star book that we unanimously ever rated. Mm -hmm. Casual Vacancy we gave. Yeah, so 2012 was a year where we kind of, like, dipped our toes and then, like, jerked our feet out of the water because there were some really shitty books. So we should talk about this a little bit. So it's it's always easy to... um, like, like there's a book we're going to review in February and I got some information on it today and advanced reader copy and stuff. And I was like, I'm excited. I, I have the kind of predisposition that we're going to like this book. It doesn't mean we're going to. It could be a letdown. Maybe we need to do like once a month, have like a weird, like random wheel of literature where maybe we put some, <laughs> some stuff we think we're going to like, some stuff we think we're going to hate. We spin the wheel and decide that way on how to some kind of randomizer. Wait, how often? Like once a month, maybe. Sure. You know, we do something. Maybe it's something we read something from the like we put the top twenty um, New York Times bestsellers for that week. You know, into into a hopper, and we just we pull one out. You know, use some internet randomizer program, and just just that's what we review that week. I'm down for that. So it might might be more interesting. Could be the first year <laughs> that we go to a bunch of like two. The average for the rating was two point eight stars. So. Um, yeah, you can see trends of what we rate poorly too. Is usually the uh, the stuff we get from major publishers like Rail C, um, the Robo books, anything by J.K. Rowling that's not Harry Potter is usually pretty terrible. We totally skipped that second Robert Galbraith book because we knew it was going to be just a pile of garbage. Yes, yes, thankfully so. But yeah, I think maybe we're going to put something like that into play here in the in the coming year. Keep us honest. Yeah, and I mean, listen, you know what, listeners, if you know there's something that's coming out that you think would be interesting for us to review, and when I say that, please, I'm not talking about sending us your own book or whatever, but if you see something that's, <laughs> come, well, but if you see something that's coming out from like a, you know, from, from a, a big author or whatever, you go, oh, this will be fun to see what these guys think about it. You know, shoot us a suggestion, message us on Facebook, post it on, uh, in the book podcast listening group, we'll certainly entertain it. I mean, there are times, like, we've pretty much got January pretty much sewn down for what we're doing. Um, but there are times where we're like, I don't know what we're going to do next month for books. So yeah, send us, if you think it's something that's going to be interesting, not just because it's going to be really bad, but if you want to hear what our take is on an, on a bigger author that we've never addressed, feel free to contact us. It might be something we'll do. Damn right. Or um, the wheel of meat. That's the other option. <laughs> that sounds really, that sounds sexy. The that wheel was, of that, meat. That's an old, um, Jonathan Brandmeier. Do you, are you, are you old enough to remember Johnny B? Um, I know that old people in my in my life, <laughs> okay. um, 
we're fans. <laughs> Johnny B was a was a, a a really cool disc jockey before shock jocks and and all of that. And he would have a giveaway occasionally. It was a wheel of meat, and it was some kind of promotion with some meat place. But yeah, you would call up and they'd spin and be like, hey, "You just got three pounds of like salami, <laughs> wheel of meat." <laughs> Made perfect sense. I don't yeah. know why I'm talking about this. Wheel of meat. <laughs> wheel of meat. So. Um, Livius. Yes. Tell me one of your favorite uh, things that happened in, in 2014. Um, I'm going to go with something a little off the cuff. <laughs> Teresa at City Lit Books stole our fucking pie. <laughs> and I got to tell you that as terrible as it was, and as much as I hate that bitch, <laughs> that may be some of the best entertainment to come out of this podcast in years. Who knew? Who would have ever predicted that we could spend like a month and a half... <laughs> Talking about the same pie. I um, every morning when I get up to, to get ready for work, my mirror slid up in the corner is the actual note that AAA <laughs> sent with the second pie. So I see it literally every day. I'm reminded <laughs> of this incident. Oh, the pie theft. Oh yeah. So that was uh, honestly as terrible as it was. One of my favorite moments because man, we laughed hard and long. And there's stuff that never made it to the podcast about that too. That's in the in the blackmail files somewhere in the recordings <laughs> of us off air. Um, so yeah, thanks Teresa for making a a, a a standout moment in 2014 for this podcast. What do you think the chances are that she's listened to any of this and knows what we're zero, talking? zero fucking chance? Although. There's a good chance that you might have listened to hear what we said about City Lit Books during the readings, and we addressed it in both of the episodes. Yeah, we did. <laughs> so that she's listening to this, zero chance. That she listened to those, she's got to figure we said stuff about her bookstore. You know, so if it wasn't her, maybe one of the, which would be even better if, like, one of the employees listened. And was like, and you can't, was like, won't believe what they she, said. She stole their fucking pie, this bitch. Like, all the employees are talking about it, she has no idea that everybody knows. <laughs> Uh, that'd be great. Uh, How about you? What do you got, bud? That was a scandal of the year. Um, for me, um, to my knowledge, this year brought about the first time in, in my life where I actually laughed so hard that I nearly blacked out. Um, and <laughs> it was when we were recording an episode. Uh, I don't remember what book it was about. I wish I did. Um, but we were, we went to the the Amazon reviews for the book because uh, sometimes it's great to read the Amazon reviews for a book and and they're funny and weird and we were looking at um, one review and then we looked at the history the purchase history of of the person who did the review and they had some slippers and one of the things uh, the slippers was one of the things that this person reviewed and one of the things in the product description said that the slippers had a durable bottom. And Livia said, yeah, just like so-and-so's mom. And I laughed so hard that, like, I lost it for a minute where I just kind of, like, you know, I, I had to, like, I was kind of out of it. And we had to kind of edit edit it out. But uh, the durable bottom on those, <laughs> making fun of the reviewers. And, I mean, you just think about it. Like, we had to go from the book to Amazon to find reviews. He's zero in on this one review that we thought would be funny, and then zero in even farther down, like digging down into like what this other what this person's looking at besides this book. Um, we're weird. The, the, you know what this whole incident taught me, though, Rob. What? 
that you're really into like your mama jokes. Like, sorry about someone's mom is your button for like almost passing out. <laughs> I think it was the unexpectedness. Over the course of the last like year, year and a half, it's dawned on me that Livius is the funny one of the podcast. Because <laughs> I just never considered like thinking about who's the funny one. Uh, but Livius definitely is, and he has made me twice now. That was the first time, but there was another time where I laughed so hard I nearly passed out. <laughs> I don't remember what the other one was. I don't either, but it's it, it gets to the point where, because Rob and I are not in the same room, so Rob starts laughing, then Rob keeps laughing, then there's kind of like a gasping <laughs> for air. <laughs> it's like, I don't even know what to say at that point. <laughs> Because, you know, I can't see. I don't know if he's having a fucking heart attack now or like, so I just sit and wait for him to kind of recover. (laughs) You all right? (laughs) Like, yeah, I'm okay. That was good. Durable bottom. Durable Durable bottom bottom. moment. Stolen prize. We've mentioned numerous times that we're going to do like, like where we read Amazon reviews. And here's the problem. I have actually gone and done some research. And by research, I'm like, I'm going to go through and see if I can find some good Amazon reviews. And you know what? They only come up like accidentally. There's a ton of, there's a whole subculture of people that go and review stuff just to write funny reviews. So I came across one and I may have seen this. I think it came from via imager or whatever, but it was like a, a book. Someone wrote a legitimate book that was like how to, it was something to do with boating. And it was like how to avoid big boats while using a small boat. And it was literally about boating. But then people went on and wrote reviews like how this book saved their lives and how they were trying to find a good way to teach their kids to avoid big boats. So they're really funny reviews, but they're not genuine reviews. Right. So it's like when I go on these searches, I can't find one goddamn thing. But there have been numerous times where we're like, hey, let's see what some people on Amazon have to say about this book. And you find like the funniest shit. So <laughs> you never know. It might be coming. It may just be small parts of certain episodes when we stumble across something. But uh it's definitely something I find just humorous, just just so goddamn funny. When we were just talking with um, with Bradley, say, well, no, I'm sorry, it wasn't who were we talking with? The 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 I don't know how this got on my Kindle. Shane oh, McKenzie. Shane McKenzie with his uh, <laughs> jackpot book, yeah. <laughs> that, that review. I don't know how this got on my Kindle. One star. <laughs> like, just like that <laughs> I don't think I bought awesome. this. Yep. Just awesome. Um, actually, wow. I was at work, and uh, someone was, they were really excited to show whoever was around um, this Amazon review where, I guess there's a TV that you can buy on Amazon, and it's like a 103-inch, like, crazy TV uh, that costs, like, over $100,000. And I guess a bunch of people got together just to write, posit- like, super positive reviews that are funny. Um and so there's like one where it's like bought this, you know, I bought this TV, got it home, set it up. So uh, uh, there's like a webcam of the inside of my of, of my garage door or something. So like when my wife pulled in, she saw, you know, she thought the garage door was opening, but it was a TV and she ran into it. Ha ha ha. And like, you know, stupid things like that. Or like the box, you know, the box for the TV is, you know, you know, great because now that's where I live or, you know, those types of things are. Um, so reading through those. Those are like, awesome. What's that? I said those are awesome. That's just not what we're really looking yeah, for. Yeah, because it's so it's constructed. It's it's fake. Mm-hmm. We go for authenticity. We we take someone's real feelings and parody them, <laughs> <laughs> and step on them and and you know devalue them because that's what you know that's what we're here for. 
when next time somebody the next time someone asks me about my podcast like oh what do you guys do i'll be like we take people's real feelings and parody them <laughs> that's the new description for booked <laughs> Uh, all right, let's go on my next. We often card. do that, but it's like off the it's like off the air with like people we know in common and stuff. Right. So. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's see. Other standout moments. Here's what I'm gonna say. Um, and, and this is uh, it's not a plug, but if it's gonna get you to contribute, then consider it a plug. Um, Patreon, which we started um, very late this year um, in a in a search for funding for our hosting. Um, turned into uh, quite the heartwarming um, moment in 2014 when we saw listeners actually kind of like open up their pocketbooks and throw some money our way and in, in more than we needed, um, but plans in the works for that money. But it was so nice to see that kind of like outpouring of support because I, I, I was skeptical. I was very skeptical about how many people would, <laughs> would pay, um, not, not just to listen to the podcast because the podcast is free, but how many people would contribute um, because of the, the hopefully the pleasure they derive from this podcast. Yeah, um, the the backstory is that we have had a very generous benefactor since the podcast started. His name is Mac, and um, he uh, worked in he ran his own web development company. And uh, just because of our friendship and everything, and his belief in the podcast and wanting to see it grow, uh, you know, supported us by giving us free hosting for audio and for our website for the last like three years and then um you know he had, took a sh- shift in in the things that he was doing and was kind of stepping away from owning his own business and so we um you know thanked him for all of his help over the years but then we wanted to kind of get out of his hair so he didn't have to worry about us so um let's be honest he kicked us off the hosting <laughs> yeah pretty much it was um, like listen you guys have a week hey freeloaders to get this shit and put it somewhere else or I'm and throwing it, it out on the street. And we panicked, and we're like, oh, shit, this can't cost us actual money. It's already costing us time. Um, Patreon, you know, came up as an option. I'd recently, very, very recently learned about it, and I was like, hey, maybe we could think about doing this. If we get, you know, 30 bucks a month or whatever, we're covered. Within eight hours, we were double or triple that already, and now we're looking at around 170 bucks a month. Um, I only say that because anybody could Google Patreon and booked and find it. So it's not like we have to keep it a secret or be modest about it. That's what it is. Um, Rob's reminding me that I can't tell people we're getting like $18,000 a month now from <laughs> Patreon, which is what I have been doing. He's like, you know, anybody can just look that shit up. And I was like, oh, all right. We're making Kim.com money over here. Yep. Uh, all right. The funny thing is, so this has been kind of an awkward, awkward thing for us once or twice in the past where we've had individual people say you should be making a lot of people have been saying you should be making money off the podcast or asking if we do and we're like uh no we don't uh but we've had people approach us and say hey how can i contribute not a lot of people just a couple people like hey i appreciate everything you've done or you're doing great things for whatever and i want to give you money and it's been really weird because like it's it's not like it (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm talking about, Livius, where it was just like... Oh, I know. I, I know exactly. Here, Rob and I talk about, like, one day we'll be able to just do the podcast. Like, there's no, like, plan in place. <laughs> like, yeah. We talk about, like, after we've done this enough and we have enough listeners, we won't have to work anymore. And by not work means we do this and maybe we do another podcast or two or whatever. And that's, like, that's like the, the pipe dream of, of being a podcaster. So I'm sure there are some that can do that. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it's not many, and I, I don't know how serious 
these conversations really are. You know, they're kind of like when you have the, oh, you know, if I win the lotto, that's what I'm going to do with like this money. So, um, you know, the fact that, that yes, and yes, we have had um, a, a few people actually send us money um, and people ask about Wait, it. And yeah, it's kind of weird because <laughs> we don't do this from a standpoint of, uh, or we haven't done it from a standpoint of expecting there to be any compensation. So when I say like, oh, you know what, we've had some offers for advertising, we turned them all down because they weren't the right thing. Um, you know, we, we've had averages. I was like, you know what, we should send this out and see if it gets syndicated on radio shows. And you know what we did with that? Nothing. Because, you know, it's too much work and we just love doing this and we don't want it to become a chore. So there really was never any type of play in place. It, we were like the, we were like the aliens the, the or the, the underpants gnomes in the South Park episode. Yeah, we don't know what phase like, two is. Yeah, we don't know what phase two is. So um, phase, uh, we'll call it 2.0. Um, was Patreon, and it's working out very, very well. Um, we're going to be able to do some pretty cool things in the coming year, thanks to our supporters. Um, and you know what? There's plenty of room for other supporters, too. We are nowhere near the limit where Patreon cuts us off. Yeah, there's... Um, if we ever get there, we'll let you know. You know what the limit is on Patreon? I have no idea. The sky. Oh, nice. Very nice. The sky's the limit. <laughs> yep. So um, if you're interested, patreon.com slash booked. Yep. And really, um, the goal right now is very small. It's, it's keeping, our, keeping the doors open on a monthly basis. And then after that, just funding stuff. So like the more like, cash that the podcast is laying around, the more we can like, book a plane ticket somewhere and go to NoirCon or go to you know, AWP, things like that, and meet new people and, and make new connections and get two authors that you know we haven't met before that's really what i'm looking forward to is not like putting money in the bank and buying a new iphone like livia's jokes it's like i want to get out to see more people and to expand our reach oh you know i um i I took the the patreon money and bought a new iphone today for myself well i'm just happy you bought an (laughs) apple product that's never happened before i was gonna say i think you'd be really excited about that so yeah that's a mixed bag ever listen knows that didn't happen Podcast um, No, what I was thinking is, what if we actually need to hire a professional referee for volleyball at AWP? If dodgeball? I'm sorry, for dodgeball. Yes, for volleyball. <laughs> like, I'm not playing volleyball. Who's playing volleyball? <laughs> we might need to hire an actual referee. And that, that doesn't, that's not free. That's not free. Even having no, the place to play dodgeball what, is not free. Yeah, I don't know what a professional dodgeball referee costs, but... <laughs> If anybody knows a professional dodgeball referee, please get in touch with us. That's right. Or are one. So at any rate, I guess the bottom line is what I want to say was thank you to our Patreon um, subscribers because it's really more than we expected. Um, and it's very heartwarming to know that people will actually um, fund a project like this. It's a long conversation I saw on, on Facebook the other day about this type of thing. And someone had, had mentioned... Like, this is how painters in, like, the 1700s lived. Yeah. I was like, you know what? That is exactly how they lived. So um, I'm not real good with painting, but I do okay with podcasting, I think. Yeah, you're passable. Yeah. So there you go. There's some real hostility towards Patreon, by the way. Have you gotten involved in any conversations or seen any threads about it? I read um, this really long, it might have been the same conversation you're talking about, thing on facebook about it and um yeah there's a bunch of bitter bitches who um 
they're the same people that if someone was like, hey, let me give you some money for what you're doing, they would readily take it. But because someone else is getting the money, they think it's a bad idea, I think. Like, I think that they would be able to rationalize it if they were the ones in that situation. But it was weird because it's people talking about writing. And really the idea of Patreon is um, for ongoing content, you know, recurring content, like a podcast or a TV show or, um, you know, a reading series or something, something that happens more than once. And so to have writers on Patreon giving people giving people giving them money on a monthly basis just to write that seems like it's not really the the you know the focus of what the website's supposed to be for well and it's weird too and and not to get into a really long conversation about it but i was thinking about it and it was basically not wanting to pay for stuff that's free Um, (laughs) but you know these are the same people who will pay eight bucks a month so that they can have hbo and watch game of thrones Right, and I think that the best thing uh, of of the arguments I saw was Nikki Gerling basically said, I'm voting with my money, you know, like if I believe in someone or I like what they say, this is my way of, you know, giving them the opportunity to do that more, and it's the same with buying someone's book. She is one of the most generous people with her her support that I've ever met, and um, and mm-hmm. she does often vote with her money. She She's a contributor to our Patreon. She's sent us people to talk to um, but I've seen her like she buys books for people not because she plans to read them just because she wants to put that goodwill out there and I wish that there were more people that did that instead of just like sniping and well really what we do is like the sniping and the being bitter and everything (laughs) (laughs) it's funny that you mentioned that because she does she seems to have the biggest heart of anybody we know and there are times I'm I'm gonna get a little a little insightful here there are times I wish my heart was a little bigger, like hers is. Oh, but my it's heart not. just got it's bigger still a dark that. black chunk of coal. Yeah, so I try. I just can't do it. Say so. la vie. Let's bring this up a little bit. What's what do we got going on? All right, I am going to run through some of the statistics of what we have brought you this past year. So, um, in comparison to um, previous years, we had a lot less reading authors. <laughs> so that's the one that, that jumped out <laughs> and, and guest hosts. Um, so 2014 brought you 10 authors reading. Now, this is the total number of authors. There are some repeats in there, the people who read it, uh, at, you know, at, at two events. Places, yeah. um, the previous year's 28, <laughs> 29. We had 29 reading authors in 28 and 2013. Yeah, that's insane. That's a little nuts. Um, but I'm kind of going to go through this a little bit quickly. We interviewed 11 authors. We had 10 reading authors, as mentioned. Repeat readers, and that was three. So that makes it like the 28th was like one repeat. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, we had four guest hosts, where the previous year we had 10, which also seems crazy. Like, I don't, thinking well, back now, I'm like, really, we had that many? The thirteen, the 2013 goal that Livia set was having more guests on the podcast. So that was a huge yeah. focus in 2013. This year, we were just like... I think we're more focused on books. Well, maybe not. We'll see. <laughs> we did 31 <laughs> reviews, which was down from last year as well. Um, 24 novels versus 36 the previous. I got to tell you, I want to go back to 2013. 2013 sounds like it was more fun. 
<laughs> um, we did do only one short story collection. I am not at all broken up about that. Yeah. Um, we did two anthologies, which is really a tie for anthology slash collections. The previous years are right in line with them. Um, I think 2015 will probably see less anthologies and even less collections. I don't know. I just have a feeling. Um, two novellas, two chapbooks. It was the first year for us to do um, do chapbooks. Yeah. So, um, um, so all told, we did a lot less work this year, it looks like. Yeah, but we we did do two podcasts. We did, which is another one of the highlights of this past year. But I'm going to let you run with that. So 2014 saw us take over some of the hosting duties for Crime Wave. Crime Wave is a monthly podcast, um, monthly-ish podcast of crime audio stories. So there will be an author who wrote a story, and they will actually read their story on the episode. So we do the hosting, which is essentially we introduce and um, you know kind of wrap up the episode, and the the, uh, the the bulk of the episode is the author reading their story. Crime Wave, originally created by Seth Harwood, who we met back in 2012 when we had that explosion of reading authors. He was one of them. Um, he has a lot on his plate with his writing and, he, you know, obviously having a normal life and everything. So just didn't have the time to be the host for the episode, for the podcast, but it has a great audience and it's a great concept. So he just wanted to find someone to uh, help out with that. And uh, in Seattle, <laughs> it was actually funny. Uh, we were at a reading... Um, and him and I are just standing around talking. There's, you know, all, all the normal people, the usual suspects are there. And he just looks at me. We're talking about podcasts. He's asking how it's going and everything. And he's like, what if I just give you the podcast? It's <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Uh, so we talked about it from there. And now we're, Livius and I, you know, he, Seth still lines up the authors for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. Livia, he sends over the files. We re, we listen to them. We do the intro outro. Um, and Seth does the rest, so kind of a cool partnership. It's been awesome to uh, to to have a different kind of approach. <laughs> the funny thing is, we've been doing booked for so long that we just do it. It's like a you know, it's like muscle memory almost. And we got the first time we had to <laughs> record the hosting part of of a Crime Wave episode, we we totally froze. We didn't know what to say because we didn't want to just do booked with stories. We wanted to give you know, more of the crime wave feel or a different feel, but it meant that we had no fucking clue what to say. It was really, really weird. <laughs> it is. And and that's, uh, you know, it's funny because we both, I think neither one of us have trouble speaking. And you know what? I, I It's weird because especially when I'm around you, like I listen to you talk in public, like I listen to you talk on the podcast because this is the most contact we have. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it's like all of a sudden you give us something else to do and we're like buffoons, just no, no <laughs> clue. Like, I don't know what to say. How do I introduce myself? You know what I mean? So in, in so normal social situations or whatever, we have no problem. Yep. Man, give us someone else's baby to, to, to take care of for a little while. And we're, we're like those first time parents. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I don't know. Go, go get the book and see what the book says. The podcast burped. What do I do? You know, it's <laughs> it's an interesting, uh, interesting thing. But we're getting into our groove there, too. And you will see, hopefully, more Crime Wave um, from us in 2015. It's something I'm very much looking forward to. Yeah, um, and, it's uh, a great thing. And there's, I mean, like that Barry Graham story, I cannot get over like how much that has stayed with me. It's a really, really good story. And going back into, I mean, Crime Wave's got more episodes than we do. Um, and, and some of the ones you go back to are just awesome. Like, you know, Jed Ayers reading stuff, um, Seth reading some of his stories. Um, 
Yeah, like some really really good content. Yeah, we um, it's been it's been interesting um, to do something different than booked. Um, obviously, booked is is our first and will always be our first baby. It's so nice to be involved in something else and to be able to reach out to. You know, different listeners, new listeners, um, it, it's great. And it, it's so nice to have something handed to you that's established because, you know what, at some point, Rob and I may do another startup. But, you know, anything else we do in a podcast is going to be starting from the ground level. So it's so nice to walk into something that's already being you know, it's, it's the furnished home that you're you're, you're moving into versus, <laughs> you know, kind of just having four walls and trying to figure out what to do with it. So big thanks to Seth Harwood for, for trusting us um, with his podcast and um Hopefully you'll be hearing a lot more um, crime wave with booked with us. So, damn right. Hey, I was just I was just thinking about all the work we did in 2013 versus 2014. You know what else we did in 2013? I I, I don't know. We published a well, whole re- book <sighs> on top of we all did. those books that we read, and we did all of the readings that we attended, all the guest hosts. We fucking published a book. And we published a book that wasn't like a piece of garbage because we were so busy with everything else. Uh, it was it was it was it was it was good enough to win an award. That was one of the blurbs on the book for anybody who has it. If you look on the back, it says this book's totally not a piece of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it won an award, right? It did, and that's a moment from 2014 because that's when the award was awarded. So. Um, this is horror. The 2013 annual This is Horror Awards saw us um, win anthology of the year. Um, so thank you to all the listeners that uh, that purchased that book. Thank you to all of the writers that trusted us with their fine words to not mistreat them um, in any way. I think that we uh, I think we delivered on that, and we made a bunch of award winning authors too. Man, how cool is that? Yeah, and looking at the the roster of the book and just seeing the talent and seeing where they are now and who's got book deals and who's got this and that makes me feel like we did something pretty cool. So I'm glad we it got did. some Fred, recognition. Fred, Fred Venturini has something to put in his bio now. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I really judge my friendship with someone based on if they were in our anthology and then later on their author bio includes our our anthology. Oh, who was we called? We recently called someone out on that, didn't we? We're like, hey, hey, in your bio, where's the book <laughs> anthology? <laughs> I think it was, I don't know, it could have been Richard. No, who has had something out recently? It was, I think it might have been Amanda. It was Amanda. It absolutely was because, but and then she came back with, hey, I sent you the bio and got your approval. And so that's kind of, I got neutered on that one because I did say, hey, it's okay. But it was because I was bitter and I didn't want to be like, put my name in your thing. Yeah, yeah, I know. But sometimes you have to. You never know what you're going to get until you ask for it. It's true. So, what you can get until you, I don't know. Something. We got like an there's award. Kind, yes, there's some kind of Asian saying, I'm sure, that fits that. Don't know what you got till it's gone? That's a Cinderella song, <laughs> dude. That's not an actual saying. All right. That was close. Um, are, we about, are we about done? Oh, uh, we can't wrap up this episode without thanking um, and acknowledging the. People who have done some extra stuff for the podcast, uh, for example, uh, A. Adam Otten sending in his um, uh, fucking the booked mailbag and the other kind of stuff he does with um, what's the guy's name, Jimmy Pulaski, all the Jimmy Pulaski stuff, um, doing the Patreon uh, tags at the beginning of the episodes that we put up sometimes, things like that. So 
thanks to Anna Martin for just being uh, enough of a listener to remember shit that we completely forgot and then <laughs> make it into a funny reference later on with uh, voices and yeah. like Hollywood level production. <laughs> I, I'm glad that you started talking about it because I was like, I don't even know how to explain what he does for like, I don't there's, there are no words because it's goddamn funny. I got to tell you, his impersonation of you is absolutely perfect. Um, uh, and it's just really good stuff. <laughs> it's, that's how, listen, when you hear him do you, that's how I hear you all the time. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> well, people keep so. tuning in, so. <laughs> I don't know, um, Olivia's. <laughs> <laughs> See, you sounded just like him. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's terrific, and and the fact that he devotes um you know time and energy um to doing that is 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 the one of the most flattering things I think um about doing this podcast. So it, it's great to hear listeners reach out and say you know they love to review or that you know they heard something that was really funny or that they enjoy what we do and Patreon stuff's all great. This guy spends quality time, you know, invested to bring content um for us. Um, to bring to you. So, what 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 bigger reward is that than to have someone give up their time for you? So, thank you very much, AAA. Thanks also to a uh, very close friend of the podcast, guy that I grew up with, um, Brayton Cameron, who does uh, Skip Papersly uh, for Book to News. He also did uh, the Malik Tambali Words I View um, <laughs> for the duration of that segment, which. Uh, one of, <laughs> one of my favorites. Which was capped off, capped off with like a 20 minute. <laughs> <laughs> Which, that took, it took him, <clears throat> it took him like a month to get that to us because he coordinated it with uh, a friend, Gary Butterfield, um, to do the actual pledge drive style thing. Um, which turned out to be like 20 minutes long. And the feedback I got from that was that it was just unbearable because of how long it was, which is exactly what he was hoping for because he wanted it to feel like exactly like when, when you're listening to something on NPR and they cut away for like 15 minutes to talk about needing money. Um, I loved it. I loved it. It was like performance art. It was like, uh, a David Foster Wallace level of like immersion into the feeling that you hate. So I had to give him a lot of credit for that one. Uh, so the Malik Tambali thing was great. Um, NPR was defrauded by Gene Teenman, who of course was, uh, who ran off with Jillian Flynn. Um, and that's why we didn't see Skip Papersley or booked news for a while. Um, but then Skip made a return. He made a triumphant return to book news um, to very little fanfare, but he is back. Yeah, and again, as someone else who has devoted a, a great deal of time to bringing um, what I think, again, is just high-quality content. And both of those guys bring that levity to the show that we didn't always have. I think we have it more now. But when Skip came on, Skip was, like, really the only funny thing on the show. The only <laughs> thing that was meant to be funny, at least. Anything else that was funny was usually at my expense because I said something dumb or, you know, something along those lines. But... Um, again, someone who's delivered absolutely wonderful content uh, and, and, and done it for, for nothing. They've done it for our appreciation, literally. That's it. So thank you very much, Skip Papersley, because that's always how I think of him. It's impossible for me to think of him as Brayden anymore. I know, right? I'd see I him know. in black and white in my mind. <laughs> <Take> that little <laughs> hat. 
I'm a little ahead. Uh, he did send us a year in review uh, book to news, which I think we're going to run right now. I'm Skip Papersley. Welcome to the book news year in review. In 2014, we saw some of our favorite authors publish new books. We also saw that some of our favorite authors did not publish books. What a year it was for books and for readers. On the subject of books, gaming website IGN published a list of the best book covers of 2014. Comic book covers, that is. In it, you will see the finest covers from Spider-Man, Superman, and a variety of other mans. In other news, the Booked Boys started a wonderful Patreon where fans can show their support of their favorite book review podcast with a few dollars a month, and in return they get early access to episodes as well as a few extras. One particular extra this holiday season came from Livius Nedden, who sent nude pictures to all of his Patreon backers. We here at Book News would like to go on record and say that he can put his stake through our heart any day. Yum. And now the Amazon.com Top 5 Books of 2014. Arriving at Terminal 5 is Station 11, a novel by Emily St. John Mandel. Departing at number 4 is Leaving Time, a novel by Jody Picoult. Redeployment by Phil Clay is back for more at number 3. No one told Celeste Ng her novel, Everything I Told You, a novel would be such a hit at number two. And finally, the number one book of the year is All the Light We Cannot See, a novel by Anthony Dewar. This has been Book News. I'm Skip Papersley, signing off. So there you go. Um, you know, as promised, special bonuses for Patreon contributors. You heard what they got. They got the full effing Monty. <laughs> and there's more. There's more. There's more of that coming. Just to let you know. So get on it. <laughs> that may terrify you, or it may entice you. Uh. The, uh, <laughs> the, the the actual card that the subscribers got is the same photo that was gifted to Rob in our weird Secret Santa gift exchange thing from <laughs> from our holiday spectacular episode. It's it's literally. At, at, as a greeting card, I guess I should say, yeah. Yeah, it was like a you know uh, a holiday card. So like Livius' picture on the front, you open it up and had a nice holiday message from us. But that picture that you gave me in the gift exchange, it's um, on my bookshelf, which in my apartment is situated in a way where when you walk in the door, really the first thing that catches your eye is this bookshelf. <laughs> and the picture stands out because it's like the biggest flat surface kind of thing you see instead of like a bunch of spines of books. So the really the first thing you see when you walk into my apartment is some dude in a Santa hat making the heart hands, and it's mm-hmm. really awkward. So yep. I thought you'd like that. I appreciate it. Here's the whole thing. I wanted to go wide. I thought it was a great idea for for the gift exchange. Um, <laughs> but when I figured out that I couldn't find that paper that like self destructs after like ten minutes after being opened, and I was like, "This is gonna get out there anyway." What the hell? <laughs> Let's just <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so it was it was fun to do, and I did get I did get a few messages about it, um, you know, on, on Facebook and stuff from Patreon subscribers. So I, I'm glad that people enjoyed it. So my mom loved it, uh, and she it's up with all the rest of her Christmas cards. I want you to know that you're hanging up nice. on the you wall can, at my mother's house. You can actually you can actually tell her she doesn't have to take that down. That can stay up year round. <laughs> I know it's a little seasonal because of the the Santa hat. That it's a perennial but, card. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can just leave it up all year. It's cool. Um, thanks again, obviously, to, to Skip Babersley and, and uh, Brayton Cameron himself. And if you want to check out, he's hilarious. And he he has a very interesting kind of awkward sense of humor that you can really dig into with... Um, if you go to... There's a website called duckfeed.tv. Um, it is what Livius and I may someday have, which is like a network of podcasts, which are heavily video game uh, focused. But Brayton has the pitch, which we've talked about on the podcast before which um, is ended, but there's still like a good 30, 40 episodes that you can listen to. Really hilarious stuff um, uh, where it's two, uh, two inventors coming up with uh, very specific inventions for very specific needs. Um, and he just started a new podcast called Teenage Dirtbags. Uh, him and Gary Butterfield will each week watch a music video from the 90s, and the entire episode is them talking about it. Um, right now, I have, have not listened yet, but I got to tell you, just just the fact that they they the, the name of the podcast enough was alone to to, to get me to want to listen. <laughs> they um, their first episode was um, I think they called it their annual Christmas episode or something like that, where they watched a, I think it was Bob Dylan did a cover of somebody's like poppy Christmas song, and it's hilarious. I got so lost in the humor that I forgot really what I was like, you know. You know, I just got it was it was just funny enough to kind of just take me out of the moment, and and I was I was laughing so hard. So, DuckFeed.tv gets you to their website where you can see all their podcasts. But I really recommend the pitch, and you should definitely give some support to uh, Teenage Dirtbags. Oh, so close to singing that song just now. The so weedest? close, but I knew it totally. <laughs> yes, absolutely, it's a brilliant song. Do it, please um, do it. But I knew that would make it into the episode. Nope, nope, not doing it. <laughs> I am no longer being entertainment for you people. Well, maybe dance monkey. So that's it, man, dude. That wraps up another year for for the podcast. I mean, another calendar year. We're 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 slowly approaching our our anniversary. Yeah, we're closing really in on too. finishing four years of podcasting, which is kind of crazy. Is this podcast has now lasted longer than most relationships for me? Yeah, well, and you it's know been what? way and, better. And, <laughs> yeah, and rightfully so because we're the right people in this relationship, Rob. That's that's what I have to say. Um, I look back on our year in podcasting. All I want to say is I couldn't and I I wouldn't have done it without you. That is so touching. Yeah, <laughs> I'm drunk. No. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, definitely want to thank all the listeners because without you, we would just be sitting in a room talking. Um, so we always we love your support. We hope that we're giving you uh, at least a little bit of fun once a week, and um, looking forward to giving you a lot more next year. So um, for 2014 and for the booked podcast, I'm Rob Olson, and I'm Livia Snedden. See you next year. <laughs>